Well, hello, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, your humble host, and we begin this week with a very important PSA from a young girl who is very much wise beyond her years. Dad, you want to know what I learned in school today? What's that? Smoking is bad for you. It causes cancer here. But bacon is bad, too. It gives you cancer here. But I love bacon. Bacon doesn't love you back. Bacon, hot dogs, and other processed meats cause colorectal cancer. And cancer rates are rising in young people. I didn't know that. That's all right. Together we can beat this. Find out more at physicianscommittee.org. To say that we live in a bacon-obsessed culture would be an understatement. Nay, it would be the understatement of all understatements. So here's what you got to know. First, the average American eats nearly 18 pounds of it every year. Sounds like a lot, right? It's because it is. And Brits, people over in the UK, they're not far behind either. Okay, they're really eating only a few strips less every year than the average American. Neck and neck race there. And get this. So I stumbled across a survey that was done by a group called Maple Leaf Foods. This is a Canadian company. Maple Leaf, Canada, right? Just seems to make sense. Here's what these guys found. One out of every four men responded that the smell of bacon is their favorite smell. It's their favorite fragrance. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me. But this is where things take a turn to crazy town. Another one in four think that their significant other the person they're spending their life with, they think that that person likes bacon more than they like them. I mean, if you're in a relationship and you're more infatuated with bacon than the person you're with, it's time to start seeing other people. All right. There is a whole lot going on there. A whole lot. Far beyond bacon. Guaranteed. But Here's what really floored me. 43% of people who were asked said that they would rather eat bacon than have sex. I repeat, 43% picked bacon over super happy fun time bedroom sessions. Wow. Wow. But there's even a bigger problem than that because no matter how much a person loves bacon we're finding more and more that bacon just doesn't love them back in fact it is an undeniably toxic relationship one that takes dysfunctional to a whole new level and that is what we're talking about today is it time to break up with bacon Consider this relationship counseling for your colon. Dr. Neil Barnard will be here. He's going to talk about the most recent research into the link between bacon and your health. And one thing I can tell you for sure is that bacon, it may be a cured meat, but it surely isn't going to cure cancer. He and I, we're going to get into all of that, and we're also going to talk about why people love bacon so much. The brain has a lot to do with it. And jokes aside, flat out, we build a psychological relationship 
with bacon. But what if, hear me now, what if you really want to clean up your health, you want to regain control of it, but you're still not ready to break up with bacon? Aha! Dietitian Maggie Neola and I will be sitting down to go over some delicious plant-based bacon ideas that will leave your mouth watering. You like bacon and eggs? No problem. You crave the BLT? We got you covered there, too. We even have a bacon burger for you to chow down on. Huh? Love it. So good. All of that in just a bit. But first up in the exam room, processed meat relationship expert, Dr. Neil Barnard. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks for giving the show a listen, a download, wherever it is that you're streaming us. Thank you so very much for being here. You know, we aim to both educate and enlighten and have a whole lot of fun. And here at the Physicians Committee, we have a campaign right now called Break Up With Bacon because my next guest will be the first to tell you that you may love bacon, but bacon necessarily does not love you back. With that, we welcome Dr. Neil Barnard to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Chuck. Good to see you. It is great to be here. I have a question for you. Yep. Bacon is a $4.5 billion industry in the U.S. annually. Just bacon. Why is it that we love bacon so much? What is it about it that makes us crave it? Yeah, well, you know, you said it, Chuck. Uh, people love bacon, doesn't love them back. What the heck is it about it? I think there are really two things. I call it the potato chip effect and the drug effect. Here's what I, here's what I mean. Okay. The potato chip effect means that if there's any food that has a combination of salt and grease, mm-hmm. we get hooked. Right. So that's uh, potato chips, onion rings, french fries. The salt triggers the release of dopamine in the brain. And somehow, if it's not just salt, but salt in a f- greasy food, it, it seems to amplify that effect. The same is true with sugary, fatty things um, like a donut. People like the sugar-grease combination more than they like just sugar itself. So that's the potato chip effect. It's a mixture of salt and grease. Bacon's got salt and it's got grease. No question. The drug effect is something different. And the way we know about this is with we use a medication called Narcan, naloxone. It's used in the emergency room for for heroin overdose. Mm -hmm. So Hank has got his new shipment of heroin, and um, he doesn't realize that it is twice as powerful as last week's shipment. And he shoots up, and in a couple of minutes, he is face down in the gutter, and his friends all know what's going to happen, which is Hank is going to die um, because he's overdosed. So they take his limp body to the emergency room where what we do is we inject Narcan. And Narcan, or naloxone, goes to the brain, and it it attaches to the same receptors that heroin would attach to. It knocks the heroin off, and you save his life. Okay, so let's say you've got a bacon lover. And if you give, and not just bacon, but other kinds of meat too, you give them an injection of Narcan. And what you discover is amazing. Uh, you, can, you can give them a whole tray of bacon, and they just don't eat it. You're kidding. Or, or, I mean, they, they might take a little bit, but they don't take as much as they were taking before. And by the way, this is not a, a treatment. No, this, <laughs> this, is, this is not the cure for baconology. Um, but this, what this is, it's about, um, it's a research tool that helps us separate the, the I like it, I like the taste and mouthfeel, versus there's some brain effect that's going on. And what we have found in, in looking at other foods is you see this effect with chocolate. 
that a person who thinks, I just love the aroma of chocolate, if you mm. give them Narcan, they like chocolate a whole lot less wow. because it's got a brain, a central nervous system stimulating action. And you inject somebody with bacon, they eat less. So what do we got? The potato chip effect means I like anything that's salty and greasy, and I like things that stimulate somehow the opiate machinery in the brain. You put those together in one food, and the sales go Go, uh, go crazy. So that's that's what it is with bacon. Yeah, bacon's definitely going to check off both of those boxes, salty and greasy. Probably check them both twice. Well, just imagine, what if you had bacon that didn't have any saltiness at all? People wouldn't like it as much. What if it was completely fat-free? Uh, people wouldn't like it as much. What if it didn't do anything to your brain? They wouldn't They wouldn't go for it. So the whole reason that bacon is going across the cash register uh, at every grocery store there is, is because it's got all those elements. It's got the salty, greasy potato chip effect. It's also got the drug effect. Alright, well let me ask you this. I think that somebody might be listening to this and say, well, okay, bacon, probably not the healthiest food ever. But if I eat just a little bit, that's not going to hurt me, right? Um, The most charitable thing you could say is that any move that you make to reduce your consumption of really unhealthy foods, that's a good move. So when a person cuts down, great. But this is what we call dose-related, meaning it's not like on or off. Um, if you um, if if a person eats less bacon, their risk of colorectal cancer, or cardiovascular disease, or breast cancer, their risk will drop. And if they cut bacon more, their risk drops more. And if they cut it out completely, their risk drops to the lowest level that it can be with regard to that exposure. So in other words, if you're asking, is there some safe level of bacon? If I just eat a little bit, uh, will I be okay? The answer is no. Um, It's one of those things where the less you have of it, the better. It's just like tobacco, same story. Um, If I cut down to just like a half a pack, is that better than a pack? Absolutely. It's better. But if I don't smoke at all, is that better than a half pack a day? Yes, yeah, uh, for, for sure. Um, because people used to say that about tobacco, too. Sure. Um, what if I just cut down? Is that good? Yeah, it's kind of halfway sort of a little good. But it's nothing like quitting. Yeah, yeah. I think that bacon, though, it's, it's one of those foods that it's it's hard to cut down on. I mean, as you and I have talked at length on this show, it's like food addiction is something that I'm very familiar with and millions of people struggle with. And it's like that old advertisement. I think it was for potato chips. I bet you can't eat just one. You know, who can yeah. eat just one strip of bacon? I remember growing up as a kid and, you know, mom would fry up the bacon or grandma would fry up the bacon and we would all be allotted, you know, two or three pieces, however much we had that morning. And then there would be a fight over, well, who could get that third piece? Who could get that fourth piece? It's so hard to put down. Don't I know it? It, it is one of these things that people just crave until you start to look at what it really means. Right. Um, because whether you're talking about human health, what the animals go through, what the environment is going through as a result of this trade, uh, once we learn about those things, it's kind of pretty easy to sure. to, to break up with bacon. Sure. Let's let's talk about the toll that it can take on human health. You know, you poke around um, on PCRM.org or even with the World Health Organization classifying processed meat, ergo bacon, as a class one carcinogen. You know then that there's going to be a strong link between that and cancer. And specifically, I want to ask you about the link between bacon and colorectal and prostate cancers. How strong is that connection? Uh, yeah, this is where... The World Health, World Health Organization, as you know, came out in 2015 and said, basically, believe it. Um, bacon is what they call a class one carcinogen. And that's uh, an, uh, a classification based on the strength of evidence. What they meant is, as sure as we are 
that tobacco causes lung cancer. We are that sure that bacon causes colorectal cancer. In other words, it's not just an association or, or maybe it causes it. There's just no doubt. And that was 2015. But eight years before that, the American Institute for Cancer Research and the World Cancer Research Fund reached essentially the same conclusion. So this is not new at all. It's news to people having a BLT, but it's not new to the science world. We have known for a long time that there's a reason why this second leading cancer killer is growing among young people. It's, sure. it's, it's all because of bacon and, 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 you know, and sausage and ham and the, the other foods in that category. So um, the reason that, that bacon causes colorectal cancer couple of things, actually. One is that when, when meat products in general go down the digestive tract, they alter the gut bacteria. It's sort of like I'm planting a garden, but now I'm going to use a completely different kind of soil. Different weeds or seeds start to grow. If you're suddenly putting a lot of processed meat down, and frankly, even non-processed meat mm-hmm. like red meat, uh, or chicken, down your digestive tract, a different kind of bacterial species will grow. Those bacteria, in turn, create carcinogenic compounds in your digestive tract. That's number one. Uh, Number two is that bacon may contain carcinogens itself. Um, There's a lot of parts of it that we're concerned about. It's not unique. I didn't mean to say that turkey bacon is is, uh, off the hook. Not at all. Turkey bacon is bacon. Right. Uh, It's linked to colorectal cancer just like pork bacon. Uh, what about uh, for, for women, breast cancer? This is one that when I was doing a little bit of research for the show, this one kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. You know, you, I had heard about the link between uh, the colorectal and the prostate cancer previously, but not necessarily to breast cancer. How does bacon play a role in that? Uh, first of all, let, let me be clear. We know this to be the case. Um, okay. it, this is not just a theory or a hypothesis. Okay. There has been... Uh, not one, but at least two solid meta-analyses of all the previous data, crunching all the numbers, and there is a clear-cut relationship between processed meat consumption, especially bacon and sausage and others, um, and breast cancer. Um, And here, I think the issue, there's, again, two issues. One is carcinogens, a cancer-causing chemical, um, tends to hit breast cells. Uh, Breast cells are very fragile. Mm-hmm. They are sensitive to carcinogens that might be circulating in the blood. There's another part of it, and that is that the breast cells are sensitive to estrogens, female sex hormones. Right. And when women consume fattier foods and more meat, their estrogen levels tend to rise a little bit. Um, that's because these foods uh, don't have any fiber in them. You need fiber to get rid of excess estrogens. Um, and so the processed meats do increase the risk, not just of breast cancer uh, and uh, colorectal cancer, as we mentioned, also esophageal cancer, pancreatic cancer, other forms of the disease. Right. Even lung cancer, a little bit. It's uh, surprising. You know, you're not inhaling the bacon. Right. Um, it's uh, probably the carcinogens that are circulating in the blood. So we're talking about carcinogens, but obviously bacon is also something that's going to be high in cholesterol. And right. cholesterol also has a strong tie to heart disease. One then could assume that there's a correlation between bacon consumption and an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, Without question. And it's kind of a perfect storm because uh, bacon has cholesterol, as animal products do. It's also very fatty. Mm -hmm. That's what people love about it. That's why after they cook it, there's all that grease in the pan, uh, which then if you leave the pan, sit there and let it cool down. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turns into this gelatinous goo. Uh, it's like Vaseline. That's in your arteries. Yeah. Um, that saturated fat, 
that solid fat stimulates your body to make extra cholesterol, and that in turn will attack the arteries. But back to the salt thing, the salt will raise your blood pressure, as does the fatty part of it. It makes the blood more viscous, more thick. Uh, that makes the circulation harder harder and harder. Um, all these together basically spell heart disease. You know, and, and that makes perfect sense to me because you say that, and I just I always think back to my grandma's kitchen and – always inevitably on top of the stove was this little glass jar i think that it was an old uh, old jar of sanka you remember sanka the instant <laughs> coffee she had yeah. taken the label off and she would fill it with excess bacon grease and then she would use that for whatever other dish she was going to make it didn't matter if she was making grits it didn't matter if she was making green beans like bacon grease was going in it it didn't matter but there it was that gelatinous goo sitting on top of the stove and so now you think about it and you're like man that is now kind of in my arteries, and that that's that buildup that we that we all please. Yes, about. Chuck, but you've been following a healthy diet. I have. Maybe it's gone. I have. Maybe it's gone. I would like to think so. My mother did the same thing. Yeah. My, my mom had five kids, and we would wake up to the smell of bacon. We'd come downstairs, and mom would have taken all the bacon strips out, put it on the paper towel to cool down, and there was all that grease left in the, uh-huh. the, the pan. You don't throw that out. Mm-mm. She would pour it into a jar, and the jar never went into the refrigerator. She would just put it on the shelf because as, you, as it cools down, it solidifies. And the fact that it's solid at room temperature, I mean, you can tell from 100 yards that's not corn oil or um, it's not a vegetable oil. Right. The fact that it's solid is a sign it's high in saturated fat. In fact, let me give you a little quick tip. Sure. Um, saturated fat is the one that raises cholesterol. Okay. Um, it also, by the way, is linked to Alzheimer's disease. Really? Yes. Okay. And you can see it. Um, on your counter, it's solid. It's solid at room temperature. If you have a vegetable oil, like corn oil or soybean oil, um, they are um, liquid at room temperature. And they are high in polyunsaturates. So saturates versus unsaturates. And this will not be on the test, but here's one more. Olive oil is high in monounsaturates, and they are liquid on your counter and solid in your fridge. Hmm. That's how you can tell the difference. If it's liquid both places, polyunsaturated. If it's solid both places, bad, bad saturated fat. And if it's solid in the fridge, liquid on the shelf, that's mono. That's olive oil. There you go. Huh. Oil 101 here on the bacon. There you show. go. I like it. I won't charge you anything extra for that, Chuck. Uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, question for you. Let, let's. I, I want to get really serious about this for a second because as we tape this, we are sitting in a studio in the District of Columbia, the capital of the nation, and the rate of cancer among minorities uh, here is just – it's astronomical. Um, and one of the things that we've been talking about on our Breakup with Campaign – uh, break up with bacon campaign is that fact alone like in the research that we've done here at the physicians committee what have we discovered as far as the link between cancer rates and minorities specific to dc it's shocking if you look at the dc map um there's ward one two three four five six seven eight mm-hmm. uh in wards two and three more affluent Ward 7 and 8, less affluent, uh, more economically challenged. And if you look at the rates of colorectal cancer, just who gets hit by it and who doesn't, in Ward 8, where it's more economically disadvantaged people, the rates are three times higher than they are in, say, Ward Ward 3, where, wow. it's, where it's richer people. Three wow. times higher. Um, and now if you break it down by race, 
among uh, black Washingtonians. It's much higher than among white Washingtonians. So a person might say, oh, um, must be genetic. Wrong answer. Because if you look at blacks in Africa uh, eating root vegetables or beans or or healthy traditional foods, colorectal cancer is, is rare and has been rare for a long time. And when the diet westernizes in Africa or uh, or here, for that matter, um, we then see these colorectal cancer rates going way, way up. So this is not some genetic issue. This is an issue about who is marketing what kind of really unhealthy foods to which populations that then pay a terrible price for it. And my answer to this is let's serve healthy foods. Let's serve them in schools. Let's serve them in hospitals so that wherever a person might go, let's get a message about the fact that Maybe we've been kind of hooked on bacon, and maybe a person loves the taste and whatever, but you love your kids more. Sure. Absolutely. You love your spouse more. Absolutely. And so if we know that something is hurting us, we're not doing them any favor. Yeah. And if it's hurting them, that's all the worse. So um, it's time to break up with bacon. And if we do that, the map is going to completely change, and that's what I want to have happen. I, I would imagine so. Um, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned schools. I just taped an interview the other day uh, that will be coming out on, on a future show not too long from now uh, with Leslie Rudloff, you know, our director of yeah, legal affairs. Sure. And uh, she was she and I were discussing the uh, lawsuit that we have in California to remove processed meats from uh, the school menus there. And she showed me. Dr. Barnard, she showed me the menu for the schools out there, and it was staggering every single day of the week, every single meal, two or three different forms of processed meat, some of which included bacon. It's it's really yes. unbelievable. Well, it's I'm sorry to say, when you can look at just about any city in America, and when you see what is served to the kids in schools, you are setting up the consumers of tomorrow. It's get them hooked on cheese and ice cream, all the dairy stuff. Um, get them hooked on meats of all kinds. I don't mean to say that people are willfully doing that. Sure. But that's what's happening. Sure. And it it is partly because uh, people want to serve what we culturally are used to. It's partly because those economic lobbies are huge and they want to make sure their products are front and center without any competition um but the commercial interest in this goes beyond dairy and meat Mm -hmm. those kids are going to be consumers of metformin and lipitor and insulin and lisinopril and all the drugs that are advertised every night on tv right because those foods are linked to to disease processes Speaking of medicine, uh, you just touched on this a second ago, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper in there and, and talk a little bit more about bacon and other processed meats still being served in hospitals. Now, uh, given the research, given what we've discussed here today, and I will tell you, like, I approach the show objectively. I do my best to as a former news reporter. Um, but just based off of the facts that we've been discussing, it seems questionable to me at best that processed meat would still be served in hospitals to patients who are there to recover and get well. Yeah, uh, you're right. Um, this is this is like 1982. Uh, what I mean is, in the early 80s, tobacco was sold in hospitals. At George Washington University Hospital, where I was a resident, I used to walk in the front door on 23rd Street, I would stop in the gift shop, and I would buy a pack of Merit menthols. And I would take... I'm confessing. This is the truth, Chuck. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I had a terrible diet and lifestyle. I used to eat burgers and every other kind of thing. But I would go in there, and I would take the little cellophane off the pack, and I'd light up. And my chief of surgery would would buy Marlboros, and he and I would light up. And you'd go in the doctor's lounge, and it was like Pittsburgh's worst, worst memories. It was all smoke <laughs> everywhere. Um, 
No, it wasn't that it it wasn't that we were stupid. We knew that tobacco caused cancer, but we also figured, well, I'll I'll quit or I'll cut down eventually. For now, I'm under too much stress. I'll put it off. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that day arrived where we had to make a change. Um, we had all the evidence that we needed. We'd had it for years, sure, and we made the decision: this is a hospital. Yeah. This is not a, a cigar lounge. And we got a ban tobacco, and we did. And within three weeks, we knew we were right. Well, fast forward a few decades, that's where we are now with bacon. We know that people die from this, but we laugh it off. And we say, ah, I love it. You know, what's better at a hot dog than uh, at, a, at a ballpark than a hot dog and so forth? Uh, it's time to wake up. There are perfectly healthy things to eat. And you can serve what you want to in a restaurant, mm-hmm. but in a hospital, that's a, that, you want to take advantage of the teachable moment. Whatever brought a person into the hospital, that's their motivator. And while they're there, you can say, okay, you're going to be here for a couple days for your hip replacement or whatever. While you're here, we're not going to let you smoke. Right. And this can be your turning point. The patient knows you're serious, and they, they respect you for it. And while you're here, let's work on your diet. The hip, the hip replacement isn't going to kill you. Right. But your food habits could, over the long run, I'm going to put you on a completely plant-based diet while you're here. We're going to retrain your taste buds. You're going to leave a different person. That's what we ought to be doing. Think about that. And, and here's the other thing, my, my takeaway, and I've, I've noticed this recently as um, somebody close to my wife has, has spent some time in the hospital, unfortunately. But, you know, and, and just having these discussions with this person she kind of automatically assumes everything that she's being given is a quote-unquote healthy food. And it's easy to make that assumption because you're in a hospital. You would just assume that, well, these are doctors that are giving this to me. Of course it's going to be healthy. But that's not necessarily the case. The AMA came out in 2017 and said that hospitals should serve no bacon, Mm -hmm. no hot dogs, no sausage, no pepperoni, none of these processed meats at all to anyone, not to patients, not to staff, not to visitors, not in their cafeteria, nowhere, Mm -hmm. Uh, period, full stop. Uh, The American College of Cardiology said the same thing. Uh, If we're going to tackle heart disease and tackle cancer, we've got to just get rid of these foods. Now, that means that for hospitals, they've got to figure out, okay, gee, do I really take this seriously? And that's that's where the process is now. Now, But uh, the AMA and ACC have been very definitive. Good. Um, By the way, they they also said they ought to be serving vegan foods. Um, The American College of Cardiology said, okay, don't just serve them. Promote them. So the doctor should say to the patient, you're here now. Let me order you a vegan meal. Uh, and, and, and you can order that in the patient's chart. You say, I want you to do this. this is, these are the foods I want you to have while you're here. And the patients will say, okay, doc. And then they'll, they might taste the veggie burger for the first time in their life. But, but it's becoming a good, teachable moment. You're taking advantage of it. Well, that gives me that's, – uh, let's, that, yeah, let's end there. I mean, that's a good way to end it because that, that, that has a lot of hope for the future. It puts a smile on my face, and it has me feeling good about that. So how about that, Dr. Barnard? I'm with you 100%. When people do make this change, their health gets better. There's going to be a whole bunch of pigs on the farm saying, thank you. This is mm-hmm. the best thing possible. The earth will breathe easier because uh, everybody knows that farming is not necessarily the cleanest thing ever. Um, but most important of all, your kids, your spouse, other people around you are getting a really good health message. You're, you'll never know how many lives you'll save. I guarantee you'll save some. 
Well, I'm no Dr. Ruth, but I do hope that you have a little more clarity about your relationship with bacon now. Dr. Barnard's certainly giving us some things to think about. And you know, some relationships, they simply aren't built to last. And it, unlike what the Righteous Brothers sing, it is okay to lose that love and feeling. All right, coming up in just a second, Barnard Medical Center dietitian Maggie Neola will be on the program. She has some delicious plant-based bacon ideas, and and we also have a head-to-head nutritional comparison of the vegan options and the traditional pork bacon. Which one do you think came out on top? But before we get to anything about that and her delicious bacon walnut burger recipe, let's talk about regular beef burgers and a recent campaign from McDonald's that touted a bacon hour. Free bacon. So a group of us here in Washington, D.C. caught wind of this free bacon promotion, and we decided to head out to a nearby drive through to share a few bacon bits with the hungry masses. And maybe... Just maybe, after learning a thing or two, they'd be saying, ba-da-da-da-da, I'm not loving it. So letting people know McDonald's is doing this big bacon giveaway, like, ha-ha, is this fun? Here you go. Although McDonald's is doing a, a free bacon giveaway, not realizing that it contributes to colorectal cancer. The cancer problem is that bacon and other processed meats cause colorectal cancer. And did you know about bacon causing colorectal cancer? No, this is my first time hearing it. Isn't that funny? No, yeah. it's not funny. Yeah. People have no idea about it. Yeah, that's, that's so, let me give you this. Okay. And so we're doctors trying to let people know that it's not so funny anymore. Thanks a lot. This is a colorectal cancer test kit. Wow. So if you've been eating at McDonald's a lot, you might need one. Thank you. Sure. All right. Good. Break up with bacon. You know, there was a ton of media coverage for that. It's not every day you drive by McDonald's and see someone carrying a sign that says bacon causes butt cancer. I'm sure their meals were just a little less happy that day. But now it's time to turn Ronald's frown upside down. You can go vegan and still enjoy bacon every now and again. See, here's the thing. What you're about to learn from dietitian Maggie Neola is that bacon is bacon is bacon. Even when that bacon is made from plants. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll. Today's show, Bacon. Is it time to break up with it? Mm, Just spoke with Dr. Barnard. He says yes. Yes, indeed. It is time to break up with bacon. So if you break up with bacon, the natural question that comes next is, well, what can I eat instead? Can I actually still eat bacon on a plant-based diet? You can. And here to tell you how is dietitian from the Barnard Medical Center and personal friend, Maggie Neola. Welcome back to the show, Maggie. Thank you. Uh, you told me an interesting factoid about bacon, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really, bacon can be anything, technically, right. right? Technically, you can baconize anything, right? How is that? So it's more about how you're making something and the flavor development. And so technically, our traditional bacon is made from pork or turkey, some kind of meat. Um, But that lends itself into this salty, smoky, kind of cured product, which you can 
mimic with plants um, and baconize them in that way without any meat, of course. Mm. So, so bacon is not specific to like it, it's it's the process. It's a process, right? Baconizing is a thing. Yes. Okay. Um, technically, pork bacon is not like there's no bacon in a pig. It's the pork loin or something like right, that, the right, belly right, or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, so you can make bacon out of coconut, or you can make bacon out of tofu or mushrooms. I guess we'll get into that today. Yeah, we, we will. I've heard a lot about uh, coconut bacon. And I honestly, until we started putting this show together, had never even heard of it. I'd heard yeah. of so many different varieties of plant-based bacons. Coconut was not one. Have you tried that? I have. Um, they're kind of small pieces. They're more like a bacon bit kind mm. of idea. It's not my favorite one, but mm. it exists. It's out there. That would be something maybe you would crumble and put on top of a salad maybe? Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, let's let's dive in here uh, to bacon a little bit deeper. You obviously are a dietitian, so you know all about micro, macronutrients, fat, calories, what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that pork bacon is definitely on your do not eat list, correct? You're right. You're um, right about that. I have pulled some of the nutritional information for a traditional uh, couple of slices of bacon. The pork bacon that I grew up eating, that so many people grow up eating, that's on top of hamburgers, served mm-hmm. with eggs, you know, bacon, bacon, bacon. Mm. It's just a bacon-obsessed country. Anyway, run-of-the-mill bacon. Let's run over some of those nutritional values before we dive into the plant-based varieties. Okay. So in about two slices of bacon, 20 grams roughly, um, you're ending up with 90 calories, which isn't a ton of calories, but all of it's coming from fat, most of it, actually. Let's see here. We've got... Carbs are zero, proteins five, so they're getting a little bit of calories from protein. Mm-hmm. But most of it's coming from fat at eight grams, mm-hmm. um, three of which is saturated. So almost half of the fat in there is saturated, artery clogging, we all remember, <laughs> and some 20 milligrams of cholesterol. Uh, on top of that, there's absolutely no fiber because it's an animal product. Absolutely. Wah, wah. Um, yeah, but, you know, so so you say 90 calories, <laughs> that's not that bad. Who, who only eats two slices of bacon? Though? That's a really good point. Nobody I, does. I mean, come on. Like, I, I remember, you know, we would buy the pack of bacon growing up, and it was like, okay, well, there's 20 slices in here. That's, you know, five for you, five for you, five for you, and five for me. And, like, mm-hmm. we would divvy it up. And if anybody went for an extra piece of bacon, they would get their hand slapped, you know? <laughs> like, that's – like, people took their bacon very seriously. But yeah. But I say that because – we're talking about five slices there. We're not talking about two, yep. which is two and a half times more yep, than what's yep. listed there. Yep. You know, and so that puts you in the ballpark of one, two, two fifty. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Not to mention, you know, all of the sodium. But oh yeah, before we get into the yeah. homemade varieties, you know, there are store bought um, plant based bacon's that are readily available, and if you look at the serving size mm-hmm. of these on the back, you'll see automatically you're talking about two if not three times the serving size some more bacon um, mm-hmm. and it looks to me that the 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 nutritional content certainly is you're much better off going the plant-based route oh yeah absolutely so yes yeah, so you can get you can eat more for 100 calories for example so <laughs> um, 100 calories of this one bacon that's made from seitan which is mm-hmm. basically a wheat-based thing mm-hmm. um, gives you 40 grams of that bacon as opposed to 20 grams so you're already doubling the quantity that you can have mm-hmm. but still yielding about the same amount of calories mm-hmm. um, and that a uh, particular product is half the fat. It's four grams, uh, none of which is saturated. Uh, of course, no cholesterol. Uh, and you're getting a gram of fiber, which isn't a whole lot, but it is something. And that's mostly because this is coming from 
a wheat-based product, um, which is just a little bit lower on the fiber scale. Right. Um, doesn't mean that it's ins- insignificant. It's still really great. Um, so that's one way to make it. If you want to talk, we can go into the yeah, tempeh let's, one, too. Yeah, let's look at the tempeh one because okay. you look at the fiber content on there. It's actually yeah. substantial. Yeah. So the the bacon that's made from tempeh, which is a fermented soybean product, um, is going to yield five grams of fiber, which is a lot. That's a high fiber food. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend people look and see, does the product have at least three grams of fiber or more? If so, it's pretty high fiber food mm-hmm. uh, for what's out there. So really like that one. Again, pretty modest in terms of calories and fat, some Similar to what you had before, um, with 76 grams as your your uh, serving size, which who knows what that is really. Um, I mean, that's but, about four times the the regular bacon serving size. Right, four times that, only 140 calories, five grams of fat. So not not crazy. Um, and they're really good sources of protein too. So you're getting like 12 grams of protein from that, um, or 10 grams from the one made from seitan. So that's a substantial amount. Now, right there. I, I feel like uh, we, we should put a caveat there uh, in that there is still a substantial amount of sodium in each of these products. Yep. Um, traditionally, what's going to happen is when you make something be like bacon, you're going to be adding salt to it. Right. So that's that's part of the way that you would baconize something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't even remember a, a piece of bacon that is not salty. Even right. the low-sodium turkey bacon that, you know, mom used to buy and, you know, we would think we were eating healthier. Yeah. Uh, still loaded with salt. Loaded. Right. Yeah. You know? It's a salty food. So you don't want to eat, like, tons of this stuff. But. No. No, no, no. Um, but if you really want to go the healthy route and this is this is why i love having you on the show because you love to cook as mm-hmm. you said the last time you were here and you're daggone good at it so uh you can actually make your own bacon mm-hmm. um at home um with tofu like it, it starts literally if you go and you pick up a block of tofu like that's your base and yep. you go from there yep yep all right what, what what else do we need so basically you need to make a marinade and okay. kind of what i mentioned earlier is you want it to be salty you want it to be smoky and slightly sweet mm-hmm. uh, so how to make a marinade with those flavor attributes uh this one in particular calls for soy sauce so that's salty um the vegan Worcestershire sauce and tomato paste also kind of builds that barbecue smoky flavor profile, but even more, you get liquid smoke in there, um, which is essentially just smoke coming from wood that they've condensed into a liquid. Uh, so is and, that what that is? Yes, and it's in all commercial barbecue sauces. Li- so I mean, I've seen bottles of liquid smoke. I didn't realize that that was vaporized smoke from burnt wood. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So. And it's going to give you that smoky flavor profile that you would get in wow. bacon. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So then the maple syrup in there, it's the last little ingredient in, man- in the marinade. And that is um, just going to offer the slight sweetness that people are used to. Sure. Uh, so that's going to give you the flavor profile. And then depending on how you cook it will kind of alter whether or not it's crispy versus softer. It depends what you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, to yield something similar to bacon, a pork bacon. And I would imagine you could adjust the thickness of the bacon depending on how thick you slice your tofu. Exactly. If you got it. used to a thin strip of bacon, yep. then cut it thin. Mm-hmm. But for this one, you do want to use extra firm tofu so that it stays together more so as opposed to like crumbles. And it's okay if as you're slicing it crumbles a little bit, then you just get bacon bits out of tofu. Um, how long would you recommend to let the uh, the tofu marinate? So this one calls for four hours. If you think about the tofu absorbs flavor, whatever you put in it mm-hmm. or on top of it. So 
the longer you let it marinate, the more flavor development that's going to occur. Mm, so you can make it the day before, put it in the fridge, and the next day cook it. That would be an easy way to do it. Or the morning of, depending on what your schedule looks like. Do you, you run the risk of the tofu becoming less firm if you let it marinate for too long? Theoretically, yes. But then when you're cooking it, that's going to change the texture and whether or not it's crispy. How would you think it would fare in an air fryer? That to me seems to be oh. like an ideal way to do this. That's a great question. I should try that out. I think so, yeah. too. I got yeah. one f- uh, for Christmas, and uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I have. We have one in our house, too. Do you? So. Do you have you done roasted chickpeas on there? It's complete side note. We're, we're just going to take a quick <laughs> little detour and talk about roasted chickpeas and air fryers. I've only tried potatoes so far, but I'll try the chickpeas. Let me tell you, get you just a can of chickpeas, uh-huh. drain it. You know, uh-huh. rinse them off and do do what you got to do. And then um, really, it, it comes simple um, because they're already wet. You don't have to add any oil or anything. Oh, that's but amazing. Like, you can uh, do really any spice that you want. But I found um, just, you know, being generous with the with the nutritional yeast mm-hmm. um, and, and just like, hmm. making sure that that's got a nice coat on there. And then you get like these little nacho chickpeas and they're like so good. Look at you being all culinary. I love it. I know. <laughs> like you guys inspire me, you know. <laughs> You, you come on the show. Lee comes on the show. From time to time, we'll have other chefs on the show. And it's yep, like, yep. hmm, I'm not sure I'm on your level, but I'm going to try. I love it. And, and that's, that's easy, that's, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, you set it. And then 15 minutes later, boom, you've got mm-hmm. yourself a healthy snack. Roasted chickpeas. Oh, by the fiber. way, can of chickpeas, 99 cents. A bag of roasted chickpeas in the store. Four ninety nine. Wow! Look at you saving mm. four bucks. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the easy tofu bacon. You know what? I, I think that sounds like it would be really, really good uh, with like a like a tofu scramble. So you can still do bacon and eggs on a mm-hmm. plant based diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tofu scramble. It's I guess it's a lot of tofu, but hey, why not? It's fun. <laughs> so it's not going to hurt anybody. Nope. Just throwing lots of other veggies in there and. Got a nice, well-balanced meal. Uh, we actually have a really, really good breakfast tofu scramble recipe uh, as part of the 21 Day Vegan Kickstart mm-hmm. um, app. And it's such a, a simple recipe. And you look at, at everything that is um, on here, and it's just like, man, I, I kind of want to go home and make this for dinner because uh, it, it just seems like... Uh, it seems like it's that daggone good. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this scramble. Like what uh, you you had a hand in, in coming up with these recipes. So yeah. w- what all are you including in this one? So for a tofu scramble, it's really simple. Um, basically, you just want to take that block of tofu and crumble it with your fingers so mm-hmm. that it's either small or bigger pieces, depending on what you would want. Um, like if you're used to having scrambled eggs with like bigger pieces, then don't crumble it so much. Uh, and then again, adding your flavor, garlic and onion work really well in there. Uh, salsa kind of adds some more flavor and a little bit of liquid. This one doesn't call for salsa, but you can do that. Um, and I'm then, sensing that's a default for you. Yeah, you, you I like, like to do salsa. salsa. Okay. <laughs> um, you could also do like your typical, you know, red pepper and mushroom sauteed. Um, all of those work very well together. But then to make it yellow, like a scrambled egg, you need to add turmeric and or nutritional yeast as right. well. So does that, that's going to help. Does that alter the flavor? Uh, yeah, it does. Okay. Um, it does a little bit. Turmeric doesn't alter it significantly, but the nutritional yeast would. It, it's going to make it cheesy. So if you're used to cheesy scrambled eggs, then definitely use turmeric uh, and the nutritional yeast combined. Now, I have heard that black salt can kind of give it that eggy, eggy kind of flavor, yeah, too, if, you, if you're used some, to that. I have some, but I haven't used it yet. I'm a little afraid. Really? Yeah. Uh, why don't you try it and report back? Okay, well. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then another spice that works really well in here is cumin. Everybody really likes cumin. So 
I highly recommend using that too. You just need like a teaspoon and you're good to go. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really good. You can't make an omelet out of it, but you can scramble it and it will you can be scramble delicious. It. Yep, it's going to be great. Um, what's another one? Uh, what else? Oh, Maggie, 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 Maggie. You're excited. BLTs. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that somebody would say, hey, I could go vegan, but I can't give up my BLTs. I love my BLTs. Good thing there's eggplant. There you go. Talk to me. <laughs> eggplant bacon. What is it? Yes. So you have to slice your eggplant very thinly for this to work. You don't want thick eggplant pieces because um, you want them to be crispy. If you think about a BLT, that bacon on there is always crispy. It gives mm-hmm. it a crunch to the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, similar thing where you have a marinade and you can either, like once you've sliced that eggplant, you can either wash it with the marinade, like a little brush type thing, and then cook it in your saute pan um, and then continue to add in the marinade a little bit and allow it to uh, reduce as time goes on. Mm -hmm. So it's not like soaked in a marinade. It's just a little bit in it, taking up that flavor and absorbing out. Um, And and then you just flip it a couple times before and then it'll get crispy. Mm -hmm. Or you could also again brush it with that marinade and put it on parchment paper and bake it in the oven kind of at a lower heat until it gets crispy as well. There's a couple methods depending on how you want to do it? Air fryer. Air fryer. Yeah, we should try, we need to try that. I, it just seems like it seems like the logical choice to me. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that before. It's yeah. really great. Oh man, complete time saver. Cooks thoroughly on on both sides. Good. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. It's just like those roasted chickpeas. I know. Uh, all right. So uh, this particular recipe that we're talking about, what does it call for? So this one, the marinade is soy sauce, apple cider vinegar, which is really great in barbecue sauces. Like you'll see that that ingredient there often um a little bit of olive oil you could nix that if you wanted to um small amount of maple syrup that liquid smoke again right and that's it that's your marinade um and then they also have a, a fun sauce that you could do too like a sriracha cashew mayo if you wanted to oh that's taking the blt to the next level there yeah if you're trying to go gourmet this one seems like it's uh that that bacon recipe just sticking on that mm-hmm. not the cashew uh, sriracha sauce seems like this one would be a little bit more tangy than it is uh, maybe sweet. Yeah, and that's because of the vinegar. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Still yeah. sounds good. Yeah, I think it would be really fun. I mean, but uh, this, this sriracha cashew mayo, uh, which we found on the internet, and give it, you know, it's, it's, proper, it's proper due here. Found this one on ohmyveggies.com. Mm-hmm. I love that. that. What a great web address, right? It's really nice. Oh, my veggies. Oh, my veggies. Uh, sriracha cashew mayo. Um, and... and you will be doing a segment. Actually, you will have already done it by the time that this interview drops uh, on the local ABC affiliate. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be bringing in this particular BLT. So uh, for the people who are listening, we can't just say, hey, there's a sriracha cashew mayo that you can do. Let's talk a little bit about that sriracha cashew mayo. And how to make it. Yes, by yeah. all means. Okay. So uh, cashews are really nice because they, if you soak them and then blend them, they kind of get, they're creamy. Um, and then they work very well to replace something like a sour cream or a mayo because they're a little bit fatty um, and blend really, like they become creamy. So sure. that's why they're functionally a good choice. Um, and so then this one, in order to kind of add more flavor profile to it you add lemon juice um, a little bit of like soy or almond milk plain not vanilla that would not work here uh, and some sriracha so that spiciness mm. is going to 
give you that nice mayo. So like if you go to the restaurant, for example, and you order French fries, oftentimes it comes with some sort of like fancy mayo sauce. This is basically what you're trying to recreate, but with cashews. Gotcha. Uh, it, it just it sounds heavenly to me, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, I bet you that this would taste far better than than a regular BLT. Yeah, because um, it's going to have far less oil in it too. Yeah, a lot less. Um, you know, you could also call it instead of sriracha cashew mayo, you could call it sriracha cashew aioli. That's what you would see at the aioli. restaurant. Everybody right. likes aioli. Is that you can charge more because you're calling it aioli yep. as opposed to mayo? Pretty much. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I see. Um, but then you know, let's let's go down the line. How often is it that you turn on the TV and you see an advertisement, whether it be from, you know, Wendy's or McDonald's or Burger King, you know, we're putting bacon on our burgers and blah, 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 you know, you know, bacon burger, you know. When I had a burger back in the day, mm-hmm. I would get the bacon on it from time to time, the bacon cheeseburger. Yeah. Mm, probably so not the sad. healthiest choice. Probably yeah. not the healthiest choice. But you know what? I wouldn't be the man that I am today had I not gone that route. Because That's I, so can, true. I can appreciate the alternatives here. Good. And, um, and so I think that uh, one of the recipes that I stumbled upon, and I actually made this at uh, our own Super Bowl party, which was – kind of sad it was just me and my wife but it was a wonderful party not <laughs> nonetheless uh i made for us uh walnut bacon burgers nice uh, and uh how they turn know. out oh man great you know how i made them hmm. air fryer <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious i cooked the burger in the air fryer and it turned out perfect that's surprising, actually, but okay, I believe well, what, you. What can I say? Um, <laughs> and this was a this was a really really simple recipe. I'll, I'll give this one: um, celery, onion, uh, some chopped mushrooms. I, you know, it, the recipe called for finely chopped. I, you know, I like mushrooms, so I didn't really chop them up all that all that finely. Totally like, fine. I, I was just cool, just like leave it in there. Uh, the original recipe called for olive oil. I left it out. Didn't need it whatsoever. I honestly don't know why there was oil in it to begin with. Um, Whole wheat breadcrumbs, easy enough to find uh, at any store. Uh, Cooked brown rice, again, easy enough. Walnut meal, I could not find that. Had to make our own. Okay. The power of the vitamins. How'd you do it? Yeah. Okay. Walnuts, vitamins. Blend. Blend. Done. Uh, Vital wheat gluten, uh, garlic, and herbs. Really kept it simple. Parsley and thyme. Mm -hmm. Um, Soy sauce. You know, that seems to be a thing here today. Yeah, uh, today it soy is. Soy sauce and a cup of almond milk, not vanilla, uh, not un- vanilla. unsweetened. This is another important caveat. Yeah. Do not use sweetened plant-based milks oh. in your recipes because if it does not call for sugar, then you don't want it in you there. You don't want added sweetness if it's not meant to be there. Now, I can't imagine what a sweet burger would taste like. Pretty bad. Yeah, right? So anyway, you just kind of like blend that all up and, you know, just make them into patties just like mm-hmm. you have your entire life. Yep, yep. Cook them. And uh, we topped ours with uh, baby spinach and uh, guacamole. Oh, and, fun. And, and, and the bacon. And it was like... Oh. Yeah, nice. I bet you guys loved it. That's awesome. Oh, it was so great. So great. And we had so, uh, little crispy uh, roasted sweet potatoes on the side as well. I mean, it was, it was like perhaps the greatest Super Bowl spread ever. I love it. And it was just a party for two. I love it. Yeah. Nice work. Thank you. I know. Yep. Like I said, you guys inspire me. <laughs> um Let's uh, real quick before we wrap up. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, I would go over to my grandparents' house and not the healthiest eaters in the world, but there was always salad with every meal. And, mm-hmm. You know, it was typically, you know, just the iceberg salad from a bag, but um, there was always bacos on the table. Oh, really? Always. And <laughs> that is that is when I fell in love with uh, bacon bits in the salad. Oh, man. 
you can do this with the plant-based bacons. Uh, well, actually, they bacos technically are vegan, right? Technically, yes. Technically, yes. Healthy? No, probably not. There we go. <laughs> so that's the thing. I'm sure that there are red dyes and things in there that I really kind of don't want. They look terrifying, but um, that's just my personal opinion. I can't imagine how they would taste to me today, you know, mm-hmm. like having all of that stuff kind of removed um, from my system. But, you know, they, they are, as you said, technically vegan. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to bash them. But uh, anyway, uh, I think that one of the plant-based bacons that we've been talking about, particularly the homemade ones, mm-hmm. you know, may- maybe the eggplant, if that was sliced really, really thin, mm-hmm. uh, and you just crumble that right on top, that would be so good. Yeah, on top of a salad, that would yeah, work really well. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a recipe on our Kickstart program called the Good Enough for Greens Good enough for guests. Green salad. It's a lot of G's. Um, and <laughs> it is. Very alliterative. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's really delicious, actually, and it's not very hard to make at all. So you mm-hmm. could use that salad as your base and then put whatever plant-based bacon bits on top that you want to. Um, but the salad is just a mixture of uh, mixed greens, some walnuts, red onion, uh Tart green apple sliced, and then your dressing is actually a mixture of rice vinegar and a little bit of orange juice. Mm. So it's very simple and very delicious and mm. comes together quickly. Yeah, and uh, matter of fact, I would go with the eggplant bacon too because that's going to have a little bit more of a tangy taste to it. And then mm. if you pair that with uh, the, with the orange juice and the, and the vinegar, like that's got a tang. So it yeah. seems to me like it would just pair perfectly. It's perfect. I love mm-hmm. it. How about good. that? Nice job, Chuck. Thank- <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm learning. You guys, you think I'm joking. You're rubbing off on me. You are absolutely rubbing off on me. Good. Every day I, I leave here, I feel like I'm just a little bit smarter. My plant-based IQ is up just a little bit more, you know. That's what we're going for. Oh, you succeed. Um, so the 21 Day Vegan Kickstart app, if you want to check that out, this recipe and so many others in there, some with bacon, some without, uh, just go to Google Play, go to uh, your iTunes, Apple Store, whichever uh, y- y- platform you have. It's a completely free app. And uh, we've really only, what, launched that a couple of months ago, completely revamped. It is is a pretty, pretty looking app. It's a beautiful app. And we're going to have some more seasonal items coming soon. We like to rotate things. Oh, really? I I didn't know that we were going to rotate things. Mm -hmm. This is Just a little bit. Nothing major, but still fun. So always keep that app on your phone. Don't delete it. We're breaking news here, Maggie. I know. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but... No. You know, it's good for people to know. You know, I used to be a reporter. This is this is fantastic. I know. We just broke some news. Keep your app, people. This just in. Mm-hmm. New recipes coming soon to the mm-hmm. 21 Day Vegan Kickstart app. Uh, by the way, that is Kickstart, not Quick Start. I had a listener uh, message me and say, I- I'm searching high and low for the Quick Start app, and I can't find it. Um, <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so there, there you go. Dude, that's that's my PSA for the day. Kick, not quick. <laughs> Kick. <laughs> um, you are available for consultation upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Uh, just visit barnardmedical.org. Phone number, contact info, all of that is up there. When people come in, I assume uh, if they say, hey, Maggie, I could go plant-based except for I can't, uh, can't give up the bacon. You I can go over this, this very, yeah, very stuff. We can talk about it. Serious question real quick before we go. When somebody comes in and you sit down with them, what what is that initial consultation like? Yeah, well, you you want to get a good idea of what someone's lifestyle is, like whether or not they're comfortable preparing their own food, where do they get their food from, how often are they eating currently, what's their diet currently look like, what are they willing to change. Um, there's so many good questions to begin with so that I can understand 
what you need to learn, what you're motivated to do, um, what's going to be best for your health, what you're actually capable of doing, uh, what you believe you can do. Mm -hmm. So we ask a lot of questions to get a good answer to all of those things. And then offer some nutrition education and come up with a good plan, some tailored goals to work on over the next few months Mm. uh, and check in and see how it goes. Outstanding. And and, uh, this is my hypothesis. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would think that what a person is able to achieve if they really stick to that diet exceeds whatever the goals were that are established on day one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's progress that can be made, and sometimes you need to modify plans, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But that's what the point of working with a professional is to do it safely and have fun with it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, anyway, that is barnardmedical.org. All major insurance is accepted. Uh, if you are living in the Washington, D.C. area, I cannot recommend it enough. And that's not just because there are two floors up, and that's not just because Maggie is sitting directly across from me. Uh, <laughs> it is because I have seen the results, and they are fabulous so fabulous thanks thank you very much uh i feel like uh, i'm ready to go home and then make some plant-based bacon here me too let's go all right (laughs) we're gonna go eat thanks for listening to the exam room (laughs) (laughs) fun show today and a well-rounded one at that we had some relationship counseling with dr barnard and then We went right into some rebound options with Maggie. We are full service, ladies and gentlemen, breaking up and moving on to something better, something that we can spend the rest of our life with. A couple of quick notes before we wrap things up. Registration is now underway for the annual International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine 2019 edition. I guarantee it will be bigger and better than ever. Dr. Robert Ostfeld, he's going to be speaking this year, as is Dr. Dean Ornish. He is a phenomenal speaker and an absolute rock star in the plant-based medical community. And of course, our very own Dr. Barnard, he will be speaking there this year. Tickets always sell out, but right now, it's early. The conference is July 26th and 27th in Washington, D.C. Still some available, and right now they are available at an early bird discount rate. Yes, indeed, we got your discount for you. PCRM.org slash ICNM. That's where you go to get your discount tickets, but you got to hurry. Because that deal, it's going to be flying away soon, and then those tickets will be full price. And now, here's something exciting. I was told, I was told by one of those little birdies who will be flying away, I was told that we might get to partake in the food tasting this year. Going to be bringing that podcast on the road, and holy moly, that's exciting. So here's how this whole thing works. Every year, the food that is served at this conference is second to none. It is extraordinary, the greatest thing you will ever put in your mouth. Just so, so good. But we always have to whittle it down. So we start with like 100 options, and then we get down to what it is we're actually going to serve over those two or three days to everybody that attends the conference. So we're going to take the show on the road, down to the hotel, and we are going to try all of those dishes. And we're going to have a conversation with the chef, and it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to give you a full review on what it is that you can expect when you go and you sit down with that plate this year, what it is you're going to be eating and how good it tastes. And last year, I'm not even joking when I say I couldn't stand up for a good two hours after I ate. I could not stand up for a good two hours after I ate because the food was so good, I went weak in the knees. Unbelievable.
unbelievably delicious. Last thing before I let you go, if you have not already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the exam room by the Physicians Committee. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever the finest podcasts are available. That's where you will find us. And as always, yes, of course, the show is about having fun. It's about having a good time, but it's also about bringing a ton of life-changing information to the table. We want to have a lot of fun and inspire people. And it means the world to me when I get emails from listeners and viewers who say, thank you so much for talking about food addiction or why cheese is so addictive or why beans are so healthy. I learn so much and I get so inspired. You know, I heard from one person who said, I heard you when you said that there are so many people who say that they would go 100% vegan if not for cheese. But then I listened to the food addiction episode and I listened to the cheese trap episode with Dr. Barnard and I got all in the wagon. I'm 100% plant-based now. Thank you for bringing those alternatives for the table. Thank you for explaining to me finally why I was so addicted to cheese. Had no idea about quesomorphine. Everything completely made sense to me now. Thank you so much for that information. When I get things like that, it means the world to me. It means the world to me. That's why we do this show. So thank you so very much for listening. Thank you so very much for subscribing. And thank you even more for sharing this show with friends, with colleagues, this wacky little show that does a ton of good in the world. I cannot thank you enough. If you have not already done so as well, pull out those phones, hop on Twitter, Couple of couple of accounts you need to follow. One, at PCRM. That's for the show. Follow the Physicians Committee. Lots of good information there. Lots of good, fun, plant-based knowledge always coming out via Twitter there. Also, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. That's Carroll with two R's, two L's, WLC. No telling what I'm going to tweet. I'm kind of the wild card there. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Physicians Committee. And again, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. We appreciate it so very much. So for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for spending a little bit of time with us today. And as always, keep it happy, keep it healthy, and keep it plant-based. Talk to you next time.